Welcome back to What's the History. What is up, everybody? We've got a lot more energy this week. We do. I we were a little subdued last week. last week, to say the least. I don't know. We were just very tired. We were extremely tired. It was just, it's it, like January is hard, y'all. Yeah, it is. But we're better this week because we've had a lot of coffee. Yes. Sleep. <laughs> Lots of sleep, sleep and coffee. You fell asleep. You fell asleep. And I watched Scream. And then Scream 2 this weekend. I had a lot of work to do, so I worked and watched the Scream movies at the same time. I had a great life. I'm nodding my head over here like, (laughs) yeah, that's how to live your life, people. Watch Scream. Scream 2 is good. It's it's like, it's... It's a great sequel. It's clever. Like, yeah, it's funny. It is good. I I like it. I like Mm -hmm. it a lot. I wonder, did any of our listeners, you know, check out some of the films you mentioned last week? I was I, a few people I got oh my god I got loads of messages about the assassination of Jesse James loads loads of people asking me like what like oh, just questions about it like where can they see it I was really flattered I was like oh um, so it was really nice and uh, we got a lot of new um, reviews and people are being really positive and I'm do you know what I, I need to stop this like I've always had kind of imposter syndrome since I was a kid I might have come across as confident and whatever but I just keep being like, are these people like joking when they give us five stars? Are they making fun of us? But I'm like, no, they're giving us genuine five star reviews and it's really nice. My pillow is wet from my happy Thank- tears at night. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going somewhere else and I was like, Jesus. I was like, stop. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, my heart was so, in that sentence. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's just a strange way to, to articulate your, your gratitude. Strange, confusing words. <laughs> Um, oh, I might be too close to my microphone. Oh my god, look at the. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move you away a little bit because I'm I'm literally shouting. I'm like, thank you, everyone. We love you. Um, <laughs> no, genuinely, really appreciate it. Like it, it actually means so much to us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. We've composed a song. No, we haven't. <laughs> the thank you song. Yeah, no. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you so much. <laughs> off the top of our heads genius <laughs> we're like pure Claire <laughs> okay Woo. Woo. Right. That's, well, that's a lot of coffee yeah. oh um, it's all good an espresso macchiato oh my god It's it wouldn't be the podcast if my mother wasn't ringing me would it mammy's gotta ring you um, she, this is how many times has this happened um, okay I'm just gonna put that phone in silent mom I know you'll be listening to this in the future so just remember Sunday evenings not a good time to ring me <laughs> I'm talking history, mom. <laughs> I'm talking to my internet friends. <laughs> They're oh. real. <laughs> I know every one of them. <laughs> oh god, yeah, we I the stats always blow me away where people are listening from. It's really cool. It's really cool. So thank you to everyone who's listening. So from all around the world. Um I hope we're, we're doing Ireland proud. So I hope so. Representing. Represent. Okay. Um, so what's going on today? It was my turn to take the misconception, the actually corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was like, I feel like I've been phoning it in for a couple of weeks. I've just been going on to like voice and stuff and just picking misconceptions. <laughs> or like a, a low point for me was when I was on Quora.com and I was like, oh God, 
I was like, no, Carrie, you're better than this. I think mine, I've been doing the same. I've just been kind of finding what people It's because I put a lot of work into my main topic, mm-hmm. and then it's always you're on the way down to record, and I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot yeah. the misconception. Yeah. So this week I was like, no, I actually put something aside, actually. I Oh, I wanted to explain, because I think we've a few new listeners who may not have had the time to go back to all our old episodes. So the Actually Corner is a... Um, like a feature that we do every week uh, to, to correct historical misconceptions. It was a suggestion of our lovely listeners. Thank um, you. Because I, um, I was that very annoying child who had oh. the access to the world book encyclopedias. Hold up now. This was before the internet. Hold up now. <laughs> and um, I used to correct everybody because that's not at all annoying well you had every right to correct me based on the story yeah yeah i mean we 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 told the story in a previous podcast so we We probably don't need to tell it again Mm -hmm. but uh yeah essentially that i was like oh actually blah 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 so it's become something that people in my life make fun of me for now and i've leaned into it i'm like that's cool it's fine i'm like you're welcome (laughs) friends um so (laughs) my actually this week is something like a real love of mine is art and my favourite artist of all time I adore his art is the impressionist artist Vincent Van Gogh I know Americans say Van Gogh and we tend to say Van Gogh but my Dutch friends have informed me that it is pronounced actually Van Gogh Damn, I did not know It's very throaty. Anyway, the the misconception about him is that he cut off his left ear. Um, No, it's partially true. He did cut off, he cut off a tiny bit of the lobe of his left ear. So he was really friendly with a fellow uh, artist living in France. The artist is French called uh, Paul Gauguin. Paul Gauguin is a um, brilliant artist as well, actually. And Gauguin came to stay with Vincent for a while. When he was living in France and um, like they just spent too much time together. They were crazy about each other in the beginning, but then it turned into this like really intense friendship and Gauguin got a bit sick of Van Gogh. So he decided he was going to leave and he told him he was going to leave and Vincent was heartbroken. So one night um, Gauguin's walking down the street. I hope this is correct, by the way. I'm just doing this off the top of my head based on all the biographies of Van Gogh I've read over the years because I love him. Um, And Gauguin's walking down the street and he turns around and Vincent had been walking behind him with a straight razor. Oh my God. And he was a bit like, dude. So (laughs) Van Gogh just turned around. I'm calling him Van Gogh, by the way, for simplicity because I can't keep going Van Gogh. Because that will actually hurt me. Um, yeah, how do Dutch people do it? Like, but anyway, so he goes back to his home, and he he decides like he's just he's he's at this point as well. He's very mentally unwell. He's thought to be hallucinating, and um, all has like delusions, and um, he cuts off part of his left ear with a razor. He wraps it up and he brings it to one of the nearest places to him, which is actually a brothel. Um, and tells the kind of madame of the brothel to give it to a um, sex worker called, oh, I think her name was like Rachel or something. I can't remember. He's like, this is very important. This is a very important piece of whatever. So just hold on to it. So yeah, the misconceptions, he cut off like the entirety of his ear, but no, he didn't. Um, He cut off part of it. Still pretty messed up, but maybe not as messed up as we've been led to believe. Poor old Vincent. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining when Dutch people are born, you know, when they come out, their first words are. <laughs> I think you've been waiting to say that for the last like five minutes because I can see you all giddy in the corner, just <laughs> waiting for your chance. 
<laughs> like, I have a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really a terrible funny. joke, but it sounded good at the time. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, Dutch people are amazing. We They're like the nicest people in the world. We so <clears throat> Yeah, respect. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to also go first this week. Nice. What my story. Um, do you when you're a kid and you get these kind of random obsessions? Every person listening to this had something that they were kind of fascinated with as a kid. Like it's often like dinosaurs, let's say. Yeah. Like kids. It's funny kids always have like a favourite dinosaur. Um, Mine was death and existentialism. Yeah. Like some kids, like I, this is really bad, but I had um the History Channel and the History Channel used to air this program called Great Crimes and Trials. And it was all about like serial killers and stuff. And I was obsessed with it. I was about eight years of age and I was just sitting watching like, like really dark stories. Mm-hmm. And then my dad used to get like crime magazines and stuff. And I used to read them. And like, I was reading about Jeffrey Dahmer and stuff when I was like nine years of age. <laughs> Which is dark. <laughs> what book are you reading? It explains. Goosebumps. <laughs> what are you reading? <laughs> it explains so much about me. But. Like, you know, yeah, you have a thing when you're a kid, like some kids are into like astronomy, mm-hmm. some okay. kids are into like, you know, collecting Pokemon cards. Sure. Um, One thing I was always been fascinated by and I used to try and read as much as I could as a kid is Uncontacted Tribes, because it used to just fascinate me that there was like places in the world that are virtually untouched by modern civilization and have been untouched by modern civilization for thousands so. of years, and rightly so, which is mm-hmm. what I'm going to be talking about today. Right. Um. I'm going to focus now. There's been a lot done on this in various podcasts and I've listened to them. So I'm going to add in a bit more um, because the focus the last couple of years, of course, has been on the North Sentinelese, which I am going to talk about. They're going to be the main focus of my story. But um, loads of really interesting information and, and like documentaries and things about them. So there are <coughs> uncontacted tribes all over the world. They're in South America. But the ones I want to focus on are in the Andaman Islands. The Andaman Islands are, it's an archipelago in the northeastern Indian Ocean. It's about 130 kilometers southwest off the coast of Myanmar in the Bay of Bengal. Okay, now location-wise, it's it's fairly isolated, but it's not insanely isolated. It's not unreachable. It's just isolated. Mm-hmm. Now, there's kind of there's lots of different tribes in these areas. There's a very famous Jarawa. Jarawa. I don't know how the um. I was trying to think of the in, how the intonation goes there, how it's supposed to be pronounced, but I'm just going to call them the Jarawa. Um, the Sentinelese most famously because they're by far the most um isolated of the tribes, and the Onge as well. Now the Jarawa and the Onge <clears throat> have mixed more with outsiders. Now they still like to be left alone, um. But we know way more about them. The Sentinelese are considered the most kind of, what's the word? They're they're pretty much uncontacted. Like they mm-hmm. do not mm-hmm. want to be contacted. They do not want um contact with the outside world. We know very little about them. We know so little about them. We don't even know what language they speak. We Of course, we call it Sentinelese, but like we don't understand it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We have literally no Sentinelese words or knowledge of their language whatsoever. Okay. Now, and what's even amazing is that they would be probably related to the other two tribes, the Jarawa and the Onge. But this is shows how isolated they are. They don't understand each other's languages. And that's really amazing when you think about it. Um, because that shows that they haven't been... <coughs> off what, the island. Yeah, that they haven't basically even been in touch with each other um, in, in thousands of years, it looks like, if not hundreds. So the Jarawa and the Onge don't... They've been brought to the Sentinelese <clears throat> to the island by 
anthropologists and ask like say this or say that or ask them this and they clearly don't understand each other which is really really bizarre mm-hmm. now um this north sentinelese people live on north sentinel island the island is very small it's approximately eight by seven kilometers um which is tiny and most of it is covered in dense forest <clears throat> the population is only estimated because it's really hard to count them we d- we can only count them based on the people that we see when people go by to count them um in 2018 after circumnavigating like the whole island the population was counted as 39 but that's probably very inaccurate because they could be hiding in the forest mm-hmm. only part of the island is the beach you need a predator you know like the predator not a predator but oh the my predator god to I be thought you were going to like drop like a panther or something in the island I was like jeez <laughs> <laughs> leave them alone <laughs> so you, know, you need predator vision yeah that's what you need exactly um, the, the actual actual population is highly uncertain it could be as high as 400 it's estimated the estimate is, is a bit bizarre in that it's it, there's two it's very variable mm-hmm. they estimate between 50 and 200 um, <clears throat> we know that they survived the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, thankfully. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, it, it changed the topography uh, of the island, the geology of the island, actually, but they, they adapted to it really, really well. What is absolutely incredible about them is that they have been isolated for thousands and thousands of years. Some people estimate about 60,000 years that they have existed on that island for that length of time. So they're still hunter-gatherers. They have never adopted modern farming practices. Um, they haven't gone past kind of using stone and wood. They do use metal, but they have they didn't learn they don't um they don't what's the word they don't make it themselves. They don't synthesize it themselves. They take it from scrap that might like wash ashore and things. So, <clears throat> which is just like it's it it boggles the mind when you think about it. It's just it's. It's insane. It's kind of beautiful in its own way, but it's just really, really interesting. Now, there's a report here of their appearance by a guy called Heinrich Harrer. Now, I just said I'd read a little bit about Heinrich Harrer because this is how this is why my research takes me so long. I just keep segueing. But I was really glad to because Heinrich Harrer was a um kind of geographer that and an explorer, but he was also a member of the Nazi SS. Oh, now he died I think in something like 2006 but he really really regretted he was involved in the Nazis when he was really young and he kind of came out later and said like it was a huge mistake and he was actually kind of let go after the war they were like okay look it's understandable Um, even Simon Wiesenthal you know the very famous Nazi hunter said like look this guy isn't one of the bad ones and whatever but um, yeah he has a history being in the SS he um, described the islanders uh I've taken this from Wikipedia. One of the men was um five foot three inches tall. Now the reason that they're kind of smaller than their um non-island counterparts, possibly because of something called insular dwarfism. It happens on islands. It's called the island effect that animals like that are brought up on islands, <clears throat> small islands, and don't get off the islands. They are often smaller because they're breeding with each other. So there's that's there's mm. no like variation in the gene pool. Um, during a 2014 circumnavigation of the island, researchers put their height between five foot three and five foot five. You'd fit in so perfectly. Oh, I, I'd be like, I'd be like Cindy Crawford there. 
like walking in the like, hey everybody. <laughs> yeah. So wait, I, I like I'm five, just about five three. <clears throat> I'm going, yeah. you know. You would even still be on the small side in their island. Oh, I that's know, hilarious. Like small yeah. I'm petite. Francaise. Just be Francaise. Um now their skin colour is a dark shining black. That's what he Heinrich Harrer called it. They're they're very, 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 very dark, their skin colour. Um with well aligned teeth. They showed no signs of obesity and they have very prominent muscles. They're incredibly muscular and, and their physique is incredible, which I'll get to as well. Now, um, I've taken this from Wikipedia as well because I thought it was really interesting. Um, similarities as well as dissimilarities have been spotted with the Ongay people. So they prepare their food similarly. They share common traits in body decoration and material culture. There are also similarities in the design of their canoes. <clears throat> so they're the only two tribes of the Andamese tri- tribes that um, use canoes. Okay. They're similar to the Jarawas as well. Their bows have similar patterns. Okay. Both tribes sleep on the ground. The metal arrowheads and blades, they're quite large and heavier than those of the other tribes. Okay. They reside in small temporary huts erected on four poles with slanted leaf covered roofs. They recognize the value of metal, having scavenged it to create tools and weapons and accepted uh, aluminium. Americans, I love you and I respect your rich cultural history and all the things that you've given us. But it is pronounced aluminium. It is not pronounced aluminum. It's it aluminium. makes Americans pronounce aluminium. it al- aluni- aluminium. Is that really? Yeah. Did it say <clears throat> myelunium for millennium? No, just okay. aluminum. Okay. They just ignore the last I-U-M and it's aluminium. We have an issue. We do. Mm. Yeah, fight me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We love you. Please keep listening. Um, <laughs> cool query left by the night. Okay, so they, yeah, they ignore, it's funny, they ignore certain things that are left for them, gifts, while they seem to value others. And it, I guess it's based on what their needs are. Like they kind of have ignored toys in the past, for example, the kids, because they don't, like they don't see the value. You know what I mean? Um, Whereas they like really value, else. they value metal. They just um, melt that stuff, you know what I mean? They would. Now, um, they seem to be able to repurpose scavenged metal, likely by cold foraging. I'll get to that as well. They've also developed canoes, so they um, they can fish in lagoons, but they use they don't use paddles or oars. They use long poles to propel the canoes. Um, both sexes wear bark strings. You can see this in videos of them, which I'll talk about in a minute. They were kind of, um, they're completely naked. So they wear, the only thing they wear is, a, is kind of a belt made of bark around their waists. Um, the men always tuck daggers into their waist belts. They also wear some ornaments such as necklaces and headbands, but they're, they are essentially naked. The wearing of, this is, um, interesting. The wearing of jawbones of deceased relatives has been reported. Yeah, artistic engravings of simple geometric designs and shade contrasts have been seen on their weapons. <clears throat> That's interesting too. The women who've been seen to dance by slapping both palms on the thighs while simultaneously tapping the feet rhythmically in a uh, bent knee stance. Um, yeah, now they know and, and they've been heard singing as well on the island, which is which is really nice. Yeah, they know how to now I said they know how to cold forge metal. Which is interesting. So they have made um, arrow, their arrow tips are made with metal, which makes them very dangerous. Um, They seem to have scavenged that from shipwrecks and things that have come ashore. So they see the value in metal. Now, 
Um, from the 60s to the early 90s, an Indian anthropologist by the name of T.N. Pandit, he made several trips to the shores of the island, trying to establish friendly contact with varying degrees of success. Okay, now, this is these are amazing, these trips. They are so interesting. So over a period of uh, 30 years, he he had this kind of, he had this kind of love-hate relationship with them, really. Um, one trip in 1974, for example, the Sentinelese launched a volley of arrows at them, one of which struck the documentary director in his thigh. The man who wounded the director withdrew to the shade of a tree and laughed proudly while others speared. Oh, yeah. So they brought um, they gave them a gift of a pig and a doll. So they gave a live pig like they left a live pig in the island and they, they killed it, but they buried it. So they didn't accept it. And they buried the doll that they left as well. Now, what they did take, they took cookware and they took coconuts. They love coconuts. Coconuts don't grow on the island. And since the 70s, that's what Pandit was bringing to the island was coconuts. And they did like to take the coconuts. Like bounties, maybe. Maybe they did. Okay. Um, okay. Why don't we go there and find out? I'm just like, well, they refused bacon. So, and they took <laughs> bounties. So, they're taste buds. I don't know. Okay. Now, what is incredible? Films. Um, Pandit recorded a lot of these trips and there is one amazing recording from the 1990s um, where they were in the island. It is just this like amazing combination of of behaviour. So they go from being quite tolerant to quite suspicious back to being friendly. So they're like laughing. They're, he never gets that close to them. They get some bit close. They do get some bit close. They smile at them. They dance. So the guys on the boats dance which is a really good way of communicating like body language and they, they dance back, they, they mimic the moves and it's really cute, it's really funny. Um, Now, they get very excited by the amount of coconuts that arrive. So the guys in the boats are just like, <laughs> like flinging coconuts at them and they come out in the water and they get really excited collecting them. One pregnant lady comes out to the water to collect a coconut and she's hit in the head with oh. coconut by one of the, I was so <laughs> cross watching, I got so mad. I was like, you just lobbed a coconut at that woman's head. Like, no wonder they hate us. Like, no wonder they do. Um, She's okay, by the way. She's totally fine. Now, they, they engage in some kind of bizarre body language. So they come out in the beginning and they make these kind of loud, high-pitched noises. And the men kind of grab their genitals. It's a very, like... It's, it it's very, very familiar, though. It's like something like... Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's kind of like universal human behaviour for like mocking somebody or making fun of them um, at other times they're seen to pretend to defecate so they turn their backsides towards the boats and again it's seen as a way of mocking them or like telling them to go away mm-hmm. um, there is a really cute moment where a woman on the island she lowers uh, a man's bow before he threatens to fire an arrow so she actually puts her hand over it and lowers Aww. it to take it down um, so they tolerate them for a while but when they want you to leave you know about it they make it very obvious when they've had enough Um so one of the male islanders, for example, he takes his knife and he runs it across his throat in kind of a threatening gesture. And you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's time to leave now. He's like, do you want, do you want me to come over for coffee? <laughs> yeah, you're okay. like, what's that? Come closer? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Now, of course, listeners might be familiar with the North Sentinelese because of what's been in the news in 2018. Um, our American evangelical friend, Christian John Allen Chow. So John Allen Chow travelled illegally has to be pointed out because if you plan on travelling there one don't and two you can't because it's illegal exactly. um, to North Sentinel Island to convert the inhabitants okay so he paid two local fishermen to escort him cl- as close to the island as possible and then he continued on alone 
Now, safe to say they didn't take kindly to his intrusion. <clears throat> um, the first thing he does is he starts shouting Bible verses at them. They shout back at him. He tries to imitate the shouts and they burst out laughing. So I imagine they're calling him all kinds of names and he's just roaring them back at them and they think it's hilarious. One kid, as he's reading from the Bible, shoots an arrow through the Bible. Wow. Okay. So like very close to killing, killing him. Yeah, damn. After his final visit, the two fishermen are like, God, where's John? And then they look <laughs> and they see two fishermen dragging his body, his lifeless body along the beach. And they're like, oh, okay, he's not coming back. Okay. So the Washington Post has a really brilliant article about this. So I'll just read um this because it's, it's very interesting. But it's also like, it kind of sparked worldwide like condemnation because just leave them alone just leave them alone so he arrived in the Andamans on October 16th 2018 and paid fishermen to take him by boat at night to the island on November 14th evading the lights of patrols on the way when the sun broke Chow drew near the tribe the woman began the women sorry looing and chattering he wrote and he was faced by men armed with bows and arrows my name is John I love you and Jesus loves you he shouted before retreating the second day, he kayaked to the island and tried to offer the tribe small gifts, so fish, scissors, cord and safety pens. A man in white with a crown, possibly made of flowers, shouted at him. He responded by singing worship songs and hymns, and the tribe fell silent. A juvenile fired an arrow at him, piercing his waterproof Bible. It's not an arrow-proof <laughs> Bible, though, is it? Chow fled on foot through the mangroves. Lord, is this island Satan's last stronghold where none have heard or even had the chance to hear your name, he wrote. By the third day, he became convinced he was going to die. Watching the sunset and it's beautiful, crying a bit, wondering if it will be the last sunset I see, he wrote. He asked the fishermen to drop him on the beach. They returned the next day and saw the tribesmen dragging Chow's body. Okay. Um, and the American government and the Indian government have agreed that they can't retrieve his body. It's way too late now, but they couldn't. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Okay, now, so that that leads me on to the question, why the extreme discomfort with outsiders? Especially the other tribes, the Ange and the Jarawa, uncomfortable, but they have allowed. And Jarawa is actually at a point now where some of their children, their youths are attending like um, school and things with non-tribal members. So why are the Sentinelese, why are the North Sentinelese so unbelievably aggressive towards outsiders? Well, First of all, because they're entitled to be, it's with extremely good cause. Um, they're not immune to any outside illnesses. They're not, um, you know, they just have a right. They're afraid to be left alone. It's their, it's completely their choice. It's this really like privileged kind of white saviour stance that they need to be saved or whatever. They don't. They need to be left alone. They're happy out. But where does the kind of paranoia about outsiders come from? Because what I've mentioned there, things about like illnesses and things like that, they, they wouldn't know that. Or would they? Okay, so that leads me to this amazing thread that I found on Twitter by a guy called Respectable Law. The video I referenced as well, which is about eight minutes long. It is one of the most incredible videos I've ever seen of the sent- the Sentinelese and that interaction with um, the Indian anthropologist and his team. It's beautiful. It's really lovely. It's kind of brings it all back to basics, you know, to, to like, People, yeah, scarcity. it's beautiful. The thread I'm going to read because the thread is incredible by this guy. Um, And again, if you want to find him on Twitter, his name is Respectable Lawyer or he's at Respectable Law. So I'm going to read this. <clears throat> There's been a lot of talk about the missionary killed 
by the natives of North Sentinel Island. They've, they're probably so aggressive because of this weirdo. So he has a picture of a guy called Maurice Vidal Portman. So here's a big thread about this creep and some facts from my decade long obsession with the island. Okay. The Sentinelese are often described as uncontacted, but that's not strictly true. They have a very significant contact in 1880 with Commander Portman. Portman, the black sheep third son of some minor noble, was assigned by the English Royal Navy to administer and pacify the Andaman Islands, a job he pursued from 1880 to 1900 with the full measure of his own perversity. Okay. And there's some great photos in this uh, thread as well. Portman was erotically obsessed with the Andamese and he indulged his passion for photography by kidnapping members of various tribes and posing them in mock Greek homoerotic compositions. During his 20 years in a sexualized heart of darkness, Portman measured and catalogued every inch of his prisoners' bodies with an obsessive focus on genitals. I will spare reading out the um the details, <laughs> the details but creep. you can read them. There's an, an um extract here from his writing. It is mm. creepy as hell. Um okay. Just imagine being a Neolithic person spending a few weeks in this guy's rotating menagerie and there's a picture of a child here as well. Portman spent most of his time in the greater Andaman Islands, but in 1880 he landed on North Sentinel. The natives fled and his party ventured inland to find a settlement which had been abandoned in haste. But they located an elderly couple and a few children they were able to abduct. So they they basically kidnapped an elderly couple and children off the island. The couple quickly died, likely from ailments to which they had no immunity. The children spent a few weeks with Portman doing God knows what, after which he returned them to the island. Now, he said that he left them on the island with gifts, um, possibly, you know, also multiple diseases. Um, Portman returned on a couple of occasions, but the Sentinelese hid from him each time. The story related by the children was certainly passed down among the hundred or so inhabitants of the island. And even today, Portman's fatal kidnapping is just beyond a human lifetime. Okay, so when the Indian government attempted contact with anthropologists in the 60s and 70s, the Sentinelese were understandably hostile to outsiders. The Indian government soon gave up. Okay. In 1981, a cargo ship named the Primrose ran aground on the coral reef surrounding it. The crew radioed for assistance and settled in for a long wait. But in the morning, they saw 50 men with bows on the beach building makeshift boats. They could see them coming towards them. They were like, oh, crap. Okay. Now they did. They did get rescued. Um, the ship and its cargo were left at the island, awaiting discovery by Neolithic eyes. Now, the guy's tweets he's saying here, he's not being... He's not trying to be um, insulting by calling them Neolithic. He means that they they haven't developed farming practices or whatever. Today, you can see the gutted remains of the Primrose on Google Earth. It's an amazing picture as well. And he says here, imagine climbing on board that ship, a completely alien vessel filled with alien things. Imagine seeing simple machines for the first time, a hinge, a latch, a wheel, Mm -hmm. things that would instantly make sense in a satisfying way. Others would be so incomprehensible to avoid notice. Okay, now... In the 1990s, when anthropologists returned to the island to make new attempts at contact, they were met with a different attitude. Not friendly, exactly, but they were willing to accept gifts. Okay. Many would wade into the water with smiles to accept coconuts. And then he puts up the link to the video and it is beautiful. And in those videos, you can see that these pre-Iron Age people now had metal weapons like the knife carried by this man. And he has a picture there of a guy with a knife. They had scavenged metal from the primrose and cold forged it into tools, which is super cool. Yeah. 
After collecting gifts for a few minutes, a few members of the tribe would approach and make menacing gestures, signalling that it was time for the outsiders to leave. They've never lost their desire for isolation, despite the gifts. And they remained consistent in their intolerance against intruders. In 2006, two fishermen were killed after drifting into the island when their anchor detached while they were sleeping. Oh, that's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it is. It is pretty sad. And I think mm. that actually really upset people. Yeah, they obviously had no intention. No, they didn't. The they didn't. You know? And that's why, because, yeah. So the Sentinelese are lucky. They were so effective at pre- uh, preventing contact. The neighbouring Jarawa weren't so fortunate. The tribe went from 9,000 to a couple hundred from lack of genetic immunity. Oh and only forestalled annihilation due to aggressive segregation. Their future is bleak. Yet on North Sentinel, they've maintained a small community for 60,000 years, which is by all indications happy. There is no way to integrate them into the modern world without wiping out nearly every member of their tribe. And their aggressiveness is not the mark of savagery. It is just that their conception of outsiders is mostly framed by some foot-faced English pervert who murdered some old people and did weird things to their kids. So let's do them a favour and leave them alone. And that's yep. the end of that thread. It's wow. incredible, isn't it? Well, it's not the end of the thread, but I'll stop reading there. Oh, yeah, um, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm fascinated I by them. Know about know about the pervert. Yeah, he's um, a creep. Oh my God, if you read the stuff, I it's disgusting. Know can, you know? Um, but that, like, you can be an anthropologist, you can be fascinated by them but from a respectful distance yeah. and at on their terms exactly yeah. i mean i did I, I think a lot of us remember reading that story from when chow went to the island and it was so t- t- beyond tone deaf you know for me to it just that, you know? wasn't surprising to anybody was it no it was everyone was like oh yeah he got killed okay mm. you know like everyone's on the sentinelese so. who i feel very sorry for in that story is his father Oh, because his father he tried to stop him his father actually wasn't particularly religious either he didn't get mm. his evangelical mm. kind of all that from his dad his father had escaped China during the cultural revolution oh, um, wow. was more into like Confucianism and yeah just a a really really it's a, it's sad it's sad whatever way you look at it but yeah yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty messed horrific. up. But they're, they're, and I can't recommend that video that I referenced there. I'll, try, I'll put it up on the, uh, on the Instagram. It's, I, it's, I did look up some of the photos, all right, from, you know, as in I wanted to, to see what that was about, and that was quite disturbing. Yeah. There was like a group photo um, yeah. of that, I, I don't of that man in the middle of them all. Yeah. yeah they were yeah. all wearing kind of, it's it super like weird. Yeah, he put them in like that. weird Christian, like clothing and stuff. Yeah, it's very Freak. strange. What there are some Freak. photos of them as well, like waving bows and arrows at helicopters flying over mm-hmm. after the 2004 tsunami when they went to check on them. Yeah. They um they shot arrows at the, the helicopter going overhead. They just did not want to be bothered. For sure. Yeah. My goodness me. Um, your kitty cat Gatsby is down beside me. Oh, hey, Gatsby. Hi, Gatsby. What's up? So we'll post a picture of Gatsby for everyone because he's so beautiful. He's and you beautiful. Guys if anybody is listening and has a ragdoll cat, please send us pictures. Holler, holler. We love them. Gatsby could do with a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know. He, oh, he's sitting on your lap. Oh, oh, lap. oh, hello. Oh, my goodness, baby. He's like, it's can you shout me out in the podcast, please? We will. <laughs> We're have... showing you out right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a beautiful, beautiful kitty cat. Oh, he is such so a good cute. I love that we just totally distracted. Just... Oh yeah, petting cats. We're worry. like, oh yeah, we're recording. And <laughs> um, I suppose I'll try to, to jump on into my old topic there now today. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Isn't it just the most topic <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life? Sorry to do. Um, that's just the Cork accents for for anybody that's wondering. Um, terribly done, but you know, hey. Right. <laughs> so for today's podcast, as you can see on the screen, Claire. <laughs> I'm trying not to read what you've written. Yeah, okay. Um, I will be telling you 
and our listeners about one of the most ridiculous Navy operations ever carried out by Russia. Okay. I was going to say, is it John Allen Chow yeah, traveling? Yeah. <laughs> I was sense. kind of gathering, you know, when you were speaking about him being on the boat and stuff, I was like, hey, my story's about boats too. Um, <laughs> boats, boats, boats. Jenny, how are our mother fans? <laughs> love, I love that show. Boats, it's gone off Netflix. They took it off. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, Netflix, yeah. we need to talk. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, at least we have Disney Plus. Thank you, Disney. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, shout out to Disney. Sponsor us, please. Um, so anyway, um, today's topic takes us right back to 1904, when Russia found itself dealing with Imperial Japan. Okay. Now, Russian and Japanese Imperial ambitions had led to what is now known as the Russo-Japanese War, uh-huh. breaking out in early 1904, with the two countries battling over control of areas in China and Korea. For the history buffs who might, you know, might be slightly familiar with this event, by the way, um, the, the Russo-Japanese War should not be confused with the Soviet-Japanese War. That's a whole other war. Anyway, so the Russo-Japanese Gatsby is clawing Claire to death. Literally, Claw was talking yeah, to my thigh there. And I was like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or else she was, she was either really enjoying the whole Russo-Japanese <laughs> War. <laughs> <laughs> So Gatsby's just, you know, that's how Kitty Cat's I'm not paying enough attention to him, so he's yeah. like... What do we call it again when they need making biscuits? Making biscuits. That's so cute. It's such a nice way to, to cover up the fact that they could be trying to murder yeah. you. Yeah. Know, it's like, oh, they're making biscuits and drawing blood. Hello, handsome boy. Um, so the, the Russo-Japanese War was battled out a lot in the water between the country's naval forces as they attempted to spread their empires and clash with one another. Super soakers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you were so you were so good during my story, and I'm just being chaotic. <laughs> I'm being bold. <laughs> this isn't the first time she's done this. Before. So now, in 1904, Russia was a fairly backward country. You know, in terms of geographical area, it was the largest nation in the world for sure. And Imagine Sarnipi- Russians listening to it, being like, "Hey, we'll talk, talk about my country. Let's talk about yours, you potato eaters." That. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like ADHD me. <laughs> She's she's fidgety today. Yeah, okay. I'm having one of those days. Okay, not at all. Zipping it, be shutting yourself, up. Be yourself, girl. Um, so they were the largest nation in the world for sure. And um, the Tsar Nicholas II ruled over an empire which spanned Eastern Europe and Asia, incorporating many different races. On paper, Russia was a you know it's a major military power, but in reality. Her armies were poorly equipped and trained, and as a naval power, she was third-rate despite expanding the size of her navy to rival that of other European powers. So Russian power was certainly overestimated by other countries. Uh So because of its geography, Russian naval activity was split between three operational areas, the Far East, the Baltic, and the Black Sea. Russian naval operations in the Black Sea were restricted under several international treaties, which hindered the development of Russian naval ambitions. This theater was the only area in which Russia could hope to secure ports in warm water with access to the seas throughout the year. But the numbers and size of ships which you know, Russia could station in the area were, is limited uh, together with their operational activities. Uh-huh. So consequently, any ships, you know, that needed to reinforce that, you know, that were needed to reinforce the far eastern fleet which would have been battling against Japan, had to be transferred from the Baltic on the other side of the world. So, where am I getting at, okay? Well, Russia's far eastern fleet of ships is clashing and colliding with Japan a fair bit in 1904. Yeah. So, following a number of defeats in the South China Sea and the Sea of Japan, 
Russia decides to reinforce its crappy Far Eastern fleet by sending a large number of warships from Russia's Baltic fleet, including some of their newest and most powerful battleships under the command of a man called Admiral Zinovy Rushkinsky to the Far East. I'll try that again. Rushkinsky. Thank you. You're welcome. Perfect. Russia. That was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That was amazing. I, I can't wait to get my gold star after we finish up. You know, you have it on the sticker label right there for me. I do. You, I do. Yeah, and you're just going to press it onto my shoulder for me. And be yeah. Like, no, you want to want pop. I'd be, it'd be like that <laughs> meme of um, Biden getting the, the, oh, the <laughs> Congressional Medal of Honor from Obama, except it's just like this and crappy. There, there's one of, um, isn't there Ellen DeGeneres as well, where she's oh, getting yeah. it as well. It's so funny. It's so proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she turned out to be, you know, mm, unpleasant. Um, mm, very, I love your diplomatic language. <laughs> so, so nice. Yeah. But when the mic is off, <laughs> oh, like a sailor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, this planned route. Let's get these ships over to the Far East. We need yeah. to get them from the Baltic Sea. That's what the Russians are thinking, right? So, the planned route would take the fleet out of the Baltic Sea and through the North Sea and English Channel. The Baltic fleet would then enter the Mediterranean and head through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea and then on to Japan through the Indian Ocean. A journey of many thousand miles. You know, you know, the Lonely Shepherd begins to play. Oh, uh, jam. Yeah, gotta love that plat. There are <laughs> dogs barking outside. Like, just like... <laughs> Um, so let's all remember that you know the Suez Canal by the way you know it was in the news was it last year that's like me when I tried to parallel park and I blocked up the whole town <laughs> and you're just so embarrassed you're like and then I just take I just drive off as if like oh, I didn't even want to park there anyway <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> well everyone's order from like I don't know God knows where we're all ordering from Wish you know everyone was screwed you know that, that whole time anything you ordered off Wish by the way I've never ordered off Wish. I'm nervous at all the suggestions that come up on my Facebook. Some random. Some very stuff. strange things. I think I ordered something off Wish. Yeah, I did. Um, was it crappy? Did it turn out to be? It was fine, actually. It was. Really? I knew it would be kind of cheapy looking because it's like, yeah, I think it was a like candle holders with like twine and it was grand. It was fine. Yeah. There are it. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. So. This sounds like a really bad ad for Wish. Yeah, like, oh, maybe I'll go on and find www.wish.com. Are you enjoying the podcast today? <laughs> Make sure you check out Wish for your orders. If you wish for anything. Delivered and, in six to eight months. <laughs> via the Canal. <laughs> so the Baltic Fleet's task of completing an 18,000 mile voyage presented a considerable logistical problem as the fleet would need to resupply and refuel en route. Unlike, say, the Royal Navy, the Russians had no bases around the globe and international treaties prevented them from using the ports of other friendly foreign powers, such as France. Hence, a plan to resupply the fleet was devised um, they got freighters chartered from the German Hamburg America line that would refuel the ships at sea. Anyway, we're getting there. Potentially, this Baltic fleet of Russian ships was a large and powerful force. In 1904, the leading naval powers of the world were Britain, France and Germany. Yep. The United States had entered into a period of significant naval expansion following years in which its fleet had been predominantly coastal protection forces. Mm. Italy had a small but technically advanced fleet and Italian naval architects and designers were held in high regard. The emerging naval power of the time uh, was Japan. 
whose highly disciplined Navy and officer corps had been trained by the British. In contrast, the Russian Navy faced several problems. So why did it face problems? Well, for example, prior to the launch of the HMS Dreadnought, which was a Royal Navy battleship whose design revolutionized naval power, Many Russian ships of the day were a bizarre mixture of different experiments in naval architecture, which were most likely untried in combat conditions. Okay. This often resulted in ships being top-heavy as the latest innovations were added to the superstructure, causing vessels to become unstable. The French Navy was the most significant victim of this period of experimentation and had lost several ships which had keeled over and sank due to design uh, faults or flaws. The Baltic fleet suffered similar problems with some of its battleships, being as much as 1,500 tons overweight. So in practice, this meant that the secondary armor, armament sorry, was often underwash and could not be fired. The belt armor was also below the waterline and therefore offered no protection against enemy shelling. Anyway, from the outset of this, or this journey, the Russian Baltic fleet crew were immensely nervous as rumours had emerged that the area was full of mines, while others believed that Japanese fast attack craft were stationed along the Danish coast nearby, and that Japanese torpedo boats disguised as trawlers were waiting in the Norwegian fjords, ready to attack the Russians as they passed on by. Clearly, the Russians believed that Japan had the ability to attack the Baltic fleet before it had even left European waters, even though this would have required Japan to have detailed and accurate intelligence on the movements of the Russian fleet and have the ability to send attack boats thousands of miles to the other side of the world. Things are about to get super, 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 super stupid. (laughs) Stupid. I just... um... For our listeners who are not Irish or indeed even from Cork, when it's really, really, really cold over here, we, um, well, when we say really cold, anything under like anything under five degrees Celsius in Ireland is considered like freezing because we just can't take extreme weather. We're used to real temperate, mild, soft, rainy weather, but not necessarily cold. So you'll hear us shrieking. It's Baltic! Baltic! It's Baltic! Baltic all the time. Yeah, that means it's very yeah. cold. The Baltic area is very, very cold. So, you know, y'all get it? Yeah? Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm ruining it, I'm ruining it. Um, so anyway, in the years of the, you know, the early years of the 20th century, okay? Yeah. Fishing boats were much less pr- uh, productive than they were now, as they lacked modern engines, nets yeah. and fish finding technology. So fishing vessels, therefore, had to work in fleets consisting of many trawlers, which would catch the fish and in turn would then be transferred onto, you know, carrier vessels, which would steam back to port, unload the catch and then return to the trawlers. So there would also be support and supply ships accompanying the fleets. Mm -hmm. One of the largest and most famous of these fleets was the, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Gamecock fleet, which operated out of Hull, England. So I didn't say anything. She's, okay. give, she's giving me a look as if to say, well, don't. <laughs> the game rooster fleet. Um, so on the night, here we go. All right, here, here we go. This is for all you guys, okay? This gets really juicy. On the night of the 21st of October, 1904, this fishing crew, or this fishing fleet called the Gamecock fleet, was fishing on the Dogger Bank an area of the North Sea approximately 60 miles off the east coast of England in very thick fog. (gasps) The Russian fleet from the Baltic, you know, sea approached 
And the trawlers, the fishermen trawlers, used lights and flares to identify themselves as fishing vessels. Oh, no. However, our super paranoid and nervous Russians concluded that the Gamecock fleet were Japanese Navy vessels. Oh. And possibly thought that their flares were some sort of weapon being fired at them. Using powerful searchlights to illuminate the area, the Russians began firing cannons at the fishing vessels with the trawler named Crane being hit with shells, killing two fishermen. Oh, no. Instantly. The vessels began to sink, but the remaining crew were rescued by other trawlers, despite some being seriously injured. One of the fishermen crews realized that they were under attack and they attempted to scatter, but Manny had their nets down as they were engaged in fishing when the attack took place and they could only travel at a speed of a few knots. So two trawlers named the Mino and the Molmain Molmain, uh, were hit with multiple shells, injuring many crew members. However, the majority stayed afloat as the sweaty Russians believed more enemy vessels were approaching. Sweaty Russians! And when you get nervous, you have to It sweat. just seems like such an unnecessary dig. Those really so actually Russians. Yes, we were really, really hot. <laughs> we were just really offending Russians. I apologise, okay. I apologise. Sorry, Russia. Sorry. Except you're kind of the bad guys in this, so. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're kind of like the... They're sweaty, you know? Yeah. So the sweaty Russians believed more enemy vessels were approaching from the other side and turned their fire in this direction. This is actually hilarious. Oh, here comes he Oscar. He heard up? sweaty Russians and he's like, he's like yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's from the Belfast. Um, so wait for this. In the height of their manic panic and nervousness, the ships that they had fired on turned out to be more of their own ships from the Baltic Oh, for fleet. God's sake, Russia. <laughs> Coming into the area. And for a short while, Russian warships exchanged fire with one another in the fog. <laughs> At least two Russian sailors were killed by fire from their own ships. Oh, no. And the battleship named Aurora being damaged below the waterline by shellfire. Oh, dear. The chaotic scenes continued for around 25 minutes. Reports from the time indicate that some Russian vessels stated that torpedoes were seen in the water. And other reports said that at least one Russian ship believed that they were on the verge of being boarded and were readying crew members for hand-to-hand combat to repel the (laughs) Japanese. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, everyone kung fu fighting. Um, so the fighting thankfully concluded when the Russian vessel eventually displayed a blue light. That That's the sign to cease fire. And the chaos came to an end. The Russian fleet, however, did not assist the British trawlers or help any of the injured men. Instead, the warships, you know, they got out of Dodge, basically, and left the area and continued on their journey. Fearful that the Japanese, tor- or, you know, that some random Japanese torpedo boats were, you know, lurking nearby or whatever. Yeah. And the damaged and battered fishing crew trawlers then made their way back home to the port of Hull in England, flying their flags at half mast uh, to indicate that there had been a death at sea. Aww. So the whole of Britain is understandably, you know angry um as news of the incident broke out uh, crowds gathered in uh, central london to protest against the russians and for a short while um a war between britain and russia looked very likely because of this incident um as the british home fleet was prepared for war and other british warships you know which were already made their way towards the baltic fleet and basically shadowed the russian ships as they made their way to the atlantic which i find quite funny you know it's like you know it's like a I don't know, Michael Myers walking, you know, on the opposite yeah. side of a street to somebody that he's about to, you know. It's kind of like that when your sibling's like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching yeah. you. I'm not touching you. 
the English different versions are like, hey man, get off my back. <laughs> it's like, we're, wa- we're watching you. I think um, at this time, the British, like the British Empire is at its zenith at this point. Like it's, mm. in terms of modern empires, the biggest empire in the world. I think it's something like 20 something percent of the globe is part of the British Empire at this time. So I mean, you're not going to want to mess with them. Mm-mm. No, not even But then it like well. falls apart, so. It does. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Um. <laughs> Again, we're Irish, we're allowed to yeah, say we're that. We're allowed, guys, come on. I, I like English people. We look, we like yeah, you. Uh, we have English friends. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just history, that's all. It's just know? historically, you guys have not been very nice kind, to us. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about <coughs> hashtag be kind, you know. Why couldn't you do that a few hundred years yeah, ago? Say yeah, say that to Churchill, huh? Yeah, yeah. See? Okay, we're fine, we're over it. Crime out. Let's not even go there. We won't go there, no. But, you know, he did. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so the Russians took no action to actually resolve the situation. Um, but they, they eventually did. So they instructed uh, the Baltic fleet to dock in Vigo in Spain, where the Russian officers thought to be responsible for the incident at the Dogger Bank were ejected from the fleet. Um, you know, not actually I'm ejected. just, I'm, yeah, sorry. The, the visual that that, just that the cannon just, a chair ping, yeah. Um, but Russia would then also agree to attend an independent inquiry in Paris which would um, address the Dogger Bank incident and this had the effect of appeasing the British and the threat of war between Britain and Russia finally receded the inquiry itself took place in early 1905 the Russians claimed that they were justified in firing their cannons at sea as they had credible reports that Japanese torpedo boats were in the area and therefore had to take action to defend themselves. They also made the dubious claim that they were not aiming at the British trawlers and indeed stopped firing when they realised that civilian vessels could be caught in the crossfire. The Russians also claimed that they did not recognise the flares and lights of the British trawlers which identified the vessels as civilian fishing boats, as these types of signals were not used in Russia. They also stated that they were justified in leaving damaged trawlers and injured fishermen in the area, as there were enough undamaged trawlers in the area to rescue the wounded. And the Russians believed that they may still come under attack from, you know, Japanese torpedo boats, which they had not spotted. Now, the Brits rejected all of the Russian claims and pointed out that the Gamecock fleet was engaged in legal business and they were fishing in grounds which they visited regularly. The Russians, on the other hand, were outside of their usual area of operations and on their way to a war on the other side of the world and were also spooked by the incorrect intelligence of a Japanese attack in European waters. The British put forward the claim that the Russian actions were born out of confusion and incompetence and shelling civilian vessels could in no way be considered a justifiable act. In the inquiry, it also emerged that a similar incident had already taken place shortly before the Baltic fleet's stupidity. Um, A few days earlier, uh, a Russian ship called Kamchatka became separated from the rest of the Baltic fleet. Once the Kamchatka rejoined the crew, they announced that they had encountered Japanese destroyers and fired hundreds of shells at the approaching vessels, forcing them to retreat. In the end, these enemy ships turned out to be civilian merchant vessels oh, and a trawler, all from other European nations. The only difference here is that there was no loss of life. Okay. So it was agreed that the trawlers at Dogger Bank were properly lit and were going about their legitimate business when the Russians had made their unjust- unjustifiable decision to un- open fire. Right. And it was also found that the firing went on for longer than necessary there during the inquiry. Um, it also stated that Admiral Rosheshkevensky did all he could to stop the shelling once it was established that the civilian trawlers are being fired. Anyway, the Russians ended up paying a sum of £66,000 to the British in compensation over the Dogger Bank incident. And that's a fee equivalent now to around £5 million. Okay. Okay. So... <clears throat> 
did the Russian Baltic fleet make it to Japan after this or you know this awful ordeal? Well, the Russian Baltic fleet continued its journey to Japan, although the events of Dogger Bank meant that they had to make like massive changes to the route they had planned to take. Following the incident, the British had barred the Russians from using the Suez Canal and also prevented the Russian ships from refueling at British controlled ports. This meant that the Russians had to abandon their original route of getting to Japan via the Mediterranean Sea and the Suez Canal. Instead, they had to take a much longer route, circumnavigating the entire continent of Africa, resulting in a journey of almost 20,000 miles, which took many, many months. When the Baltic fleet eventually reaches Japan, it was decisively defeated in the Battle of oh, Tsushima, which was a major naval battle in the Russo-Japanese War. Two-thirds of the Russian fleet were sunk with the loss of thousands of sailors' lives, while the remaining Russian ships surrendered at sea. The Japanese Navy, in comparison, only lost three torpedo boats and around 100 sailors. The defeat of a major power by the Japanese Empire sent shockwaves throughout the world and led to the Russian Revolution of 1905. While emboldened by the success, the Japanese Empire continued expanding, eventually leading to its involvement later on in World War II. And that, my friends, is the story of the sweaty Russian body. Oh my God. <laughs> Just... Who ended up comically attacking innocent civilians, enraging a random powerful nation, and were forced to journey in harsh conditions around the continent of Africa as a sort of repercussion to their acts, you know, their actions, only for them all to be destroyed the very moment they finally reached the far east. God, oh my sake! It's the most pointless endeavor ever. Like, isn't it just crazy? Yeah. Imagine being one of the the navy lads on that ship. And you'd just be like, like, you'd be like, FLM or FML. Oh my god. Um, we're sorry, Russians. Yeah, yeah. We really are. Yeah, three That's all I know. I'm sorry. There's there's literally not one Russian listening to the podcast. We're okay. I said that last time. People listening. You remember South African? The South African accents. I was doing my <coughs> South African accent. And, um, and then I was like, it's okay, there's no. And then literally four people. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Oh, I was like, why do I keep putting my foot in it? I no, know, it's. There's probably like 20 Russians have, you know, it's actually a respectful nod to your culture by imitating your accents. Terribly. It actually is. Um, I, Jeez, yeah. I wouldn't want to actually offend anybody. I know we did the, the Northern Irish one. I apologize. I apologize a lot. When you really think about we're it. We're just going to say a blanket sorry for everything. And that'll yeah. cover <laughs> That's it. all future incidences yeah. where we're very annoying. For sure. <clears throat> for sure. That was a really interesting story. It's I liked crazy, it. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It is. It's just, yeah. Maybe Chow was on that ship at some point. Just the pointlessness of, like, of I want to go over there to that war. Sentinel Nese Island, please. And they're like, no, like pull, in, pull in here. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. I don't know what was more pointless. His trip or their trip? Probably his trip because... He achieved literally nothing except dying. Like, yeah, yeah. <coughs> I mean, the people didn't even understand him. That's the thing as well. Yeah, he just came across as a maniac, waving a book and singing at them and things. He was just—they were just like, okay. I'd like to imagine that you know, there's that one episode of The Simpsons where the dog Santa's little helper, you know, is looking. You know, when he sees oh his that one word, talk, yeah, 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 and like it's just like blah, 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 it makes it's just gibberish. You yeah, know? just gibberish. Yeah. So I mean. If y'all are going to come at me and you speak another language, I'm, you know, I'm not going to understand you no matter what you're saying, you know. Um, True. You know, and I might just get my, my little bow and arrow and just show you that I'm like, don't come near me, you know, <laughs> back away. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, 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 that's 
week's episode, guys. It was fun. Yeah. It was very fun. It was real fun. Yeah, any plans yeah. for the week? <laughs> <laughs> Other than work every day. Um, <laughs> I I want to finish the Scream trilogy. Yeah, yeah. And I know I, I saw Scream 4 last week, so that's I'm just not going to include that. But are we going to go to the cinema? We're going to watch Scream 5, yeah. Yeah. Um, Get some popcorn yeah. and all teasers. Oh. The, By the, the way, yeah. aren't they just savage? They just mix so well together. Could you imagine if I just got a bunch of popcorn and threw some little bounties into it? Her reaction would be like, Scream 6 in court. <laughs> <Yeah>. Girls, <laughs> killed in cinema. Rampage after finding bounties on her popcorn. No, I'd be like out of there. I'd just be, like, I'd just be that lady, you know, the bag who gets up and leaves disappointed. You know, that meme of a gif of the lady. That's me. That's you. I am. Um, yeah, no, other than work. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I just, I'm finding my life is consumed by work at the moment, but that's for fine because sure. I like it and um, I enjoy it. Time so it's good. Busy schedule for the listeners. I love, I love the, I love doing the podcast. It's oh very, it's goodness. very relaxing and we get to research stuff that we actually really like. That's the thing about loving history that, well, so like I, the reason actually why I thought of doing the podcast is because before I go to bed every night to wind down, what I do is I read a few Wikipedia articles on my phone mm-hmm. or I go onto Reddit and yeah. you find some really like interesting kind of tidbits of information and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had no like outlet for them because <laughs> you're like, you know, when you like meet somebody, you're like, hey, do you ever hear the murderer who blah, blah, and then some people are like, I don't want to talk about serial killers with you, Claire. <laughs> some people do and you are my homies. Legends. I, I love that. Um, I have a fa- my favorite picture of you is just one at an airport. Holding the serial killer book. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might show that one up sometime. Also, just speaking of throwing things up, uh, we're after throwing up a bit of a competition there on Instagram. If you oh, all want to yes. give yourself some Viking mugs, <clears throat> check it out. Check it out. Go in. It's Find a goodie. It. It's, it's a there. really good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's really that was all face. So yeah. well done. It's a sexy mug. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it it's very nice. You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Your you morning, your, your you morning. Just do you? You, you know do what I'm saying? You. Exactly. You do you. Yeah, you do you, know? you. So I suppose I'm going to wish you all a beautiful week ahead. Have a great week. Yeah. Come and speak to us on our Instagram or Facebook or wherever and yeah, watch right the history. There. We're and there. We're always there, <laughs> constantly refreshing the DMs, looking for your praise. <laughs> You know, validation goes a long way. Really and I'm, we're going to validate you overbearingly, by the way. Yeah, we are. We we're in your life now and you can't get rid of us. You could unsubscribe. <laughs> but you won't do that. Please don't do that. You cannot separate. You promised that you would stop. That's not stopping. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's going to talk to me after we hang this up. <laughs> We're going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep me in your thoughts. <laughs> you don't hear from me. Don't worry. Like, don't look for her. There's an opening for a new co-host coming up very soon. Someone who doesn't <laughs> sing. I'm kidding. I am kidding. The singing is... is. We sang actually the minute you came in the door today. We were with, I love you always forever near and far. Closer together anywhere. I will be with you anything. She's on board. Yeah, yeah see, you're feeling it. That was a jam, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You. Donna Lewis. Donna! Donna Lewis. That would be my Wikipedia reading now tonight. Donna <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> this is exactly this is what I do. <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah, we better bid everybody farewell. Au revoir, Shoshana! Oh, what a film. Au revoir, Shoshana. I'm very strangely attracted to him, but I. Pretty man, anybody else? If anybody else is attracted to Christoph Waltz, <laughs> hit me up. I'm kind of attracted <laughs> to Shoshana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's beautiful. beautiful. We could set up. Um, we can set up a, a Christoph Waltz 
appreciation society Hell yes. or a pole who's more attractive <laughs> Shoshana or the Nazi chasing her jeez I'm going to set up multiple <laughs> I think most people are going to vote for Shoshana well, Christopher Waltz I mean he's beautiful he's aged like a fine wine he has he I was going to say he's aged like a fine cheese but no that doesn't <laughs> that's not a thing <laughs> it's wine <laughs> he's aged like brioche is that a name of a cheese? brioche, brioche. <laughs> I think it's Brie you're thinking of, but I don't know. Brioche. That's just, another one to look up McDonald's. It's Brioche. Jeez. We're so cultured. <laughs> Maybe I should have just said cheese strings or something. We could put up another poll. What's, what's the best cheese? Ooh. Ooh. I'd add Brioche yeah. to it for the crack, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> put, up, put up a poll and be like, cheddar, Brie. <laughs> brioche. <laughs> Are the other cheeses? Oh my god, I don't remember any of them. Oh my god, I was such wait, wait, let's try Gouda. Okay, Edam. Edam, I get that sometimes. Um, red, <laughs> red, red cheese. <laughs> Yellow cheese. <laughs> Yellow cheese. <laughs> Dairy gold cheese. And add in brioche. Calvita. Laughing cow. Or when I was a kid, I'm gonna. No, I just we're getting very hyper now. No, no, when I was a kid, there used to be this ad for um, Laughing Cow, and it was all these cows auditioning for the role, <laughs> and it was like all these different cows. And my siblings, shout out to my terrible, awful siblings, were like, "There's you, always to me." Why? There's you, yeah, about the cows. And then one day, I was like, I was like, no, and I'm giving out. I was the youngest. <laughs> And then when the laughing cow came on, because she's the one who is yeah, like the perfect cow, yeah, I was like, no, perfect. that's me. <laughs> so for years, <laughs> they never let it go. <laughs> They'd be like, there's Claire. <laughs> oh, my stomach. <laughs> Whenever we saw the laughing cow, and I'd be like, oh, I think it's like, oh, frankly, she was amazing. She she's be- she is cow, beautiful. I want to be that cow. Have you seen a cow's eyelashes? She's like the Jessica Chastain of cows. Yeah, she is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jessica Chastain. <laughs> Chastain's like, what? Sitting there in Canada, someone like, what? Is she Canadian? I, I, I'm guessing so. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I had no idea. I, I thought she was, and she's married to an Italian man. Her husband is, yeah. yeah exactly. I'm going to go. That's another thing to add to Donna Lewis. Oh my God. Jessica Chastain. Like, Briage, Jessica Chastain. It says and, she's American. Oh, okay. I just assumed she was Canadian because she's so nice. <laughs> We have no, so America, many like, American listeners. But you know, super nice. Like, yeah, I know. Like, so, sorry, sorry there. Mega nice. She's just, yeah, she's she's, she's adorable. Okay. Anyway, so Briage, Donna Lewis, and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, Briage is not a thing. Although I now I'm compelled to Google Briage and we'll find out if it's an actual okay. thing. Let's just do Briage. It. We're going to do it now. Is it real? Is it the <clears> real deal? <throat> is that a real word? It's in, it's in Urban Dictionary, which you know is a good oh, thing. The colours pink and bright green put together. Those shoes are so bright. <laughs> oh, my stomach isn't well after the laughing cow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please don't let that become a thing. <clears throat> no, it's very, very awful part of my childhood. I did not want to be called a cow when I was a child. We're going to make that a thing. Aren't no, yeah. you're not. No, they're too nice. Yeah. They won't because I, I would genuinely be... Not it's okay. okay. With that. I I told you all about my cat club. 
Did you? Never mind. I don't think you did. Uh, you know, my, my... I did. The cat club. Yes. Did we say that on the podcast? TCL. Tiger, cheetah, lion. Yeah, I thought it was Tiger, panther, lion. No, that's TPL. That was, that's what it was at first. Oh, but you changed the TCL. Why did you get rid of the panther? One of the lads wanted to be a cheetah instead of a panther, so we had to change the club. Why would you want to be a cheetah instead of a panther? Fast, I suppose. Yeah, panthers are like... Panthers are beautiful. So cool. Just for context, I had a club with my two friends when I was little, and we were all animals. And yeah, that's all we need to know. Um, okay. Well, I think they can figure out what the animals were, given that oh, we yeah, just said tiger, cheetah, lion. <laughs> The club did nothing. We just inherited cat powers. Um. Anyway, okay. So uh, we're gonna hang up now. Okay. Hang okay. I just have so many questions, but okay. Okay. All right. If okay, you want to hear more about TCL or formerly known as TPL, just hit us up. And we'd be happy to answer them. You're like shut up, laughing yeah, cow. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, but she was. Which is better, laughing cow or Calvita? You. you she had us. the um, you know, she had the laughing cow like earrings she on earrings, as well. She was so cool. She was really cool. She was she was smiley, like she was a smiling cow. A legend. Yeah. And she's still out there somewhere. I hope. Yeah. She is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing like having laughing cow on your toast. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love laughing cow. Yeah. Or if you're disgusting like me, you just eat it straight out of the pack. Just eat it. Just, I do just well. chew into I just, it. I didn't want to admit it. Some days, yeah, I know, but I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm like the brand ambassador now, so I might as well. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. Goodness. Okay, guys, we're wishing we you need to know week. when to stop recording the podcast. All the secrets just spill out. No, I'm like, I also killed Kennedy. Okay. <laughs> I can't, no. I'm probably on some kind of list now. <laughs> CIA listing being like, we got her. Go, go, <laughs> Let's go. roll. Yeah. <laughs> just the road of Balaclava and then just bursting out the door. <laughs> <laughs> going down on those, you know, like, coming in those ropes. Through the ceiling. Through the ceiling. I was like, it's just a joke. <laughs> okay. Like, I need two handcuffs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. We're going to wish you all well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was really intense. <laughs> we're going to wish you all well. <laughs> we're gonna say goodbye everybody um, this is not the last episode probably unless Terry gets arrested <laughs> just be me so I'll see you next Sunday for sure I'm like live <laughs> from Guantanamo okay stop <laughs> live from Guantanamo Bay seriously <laughs> we need to stop <laughs> okay okay goodbye we love you bye, bye. <laughs> I'm still recording Stop it! <laughs>